Brett Kavanaugh's accuser demands special treatment from the Senate Judiciary Committee. Republicans trot out a bizarre defense. And President Trump responds, I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. So much to get to. And I'd like to remind you right now, I'll remind you again at the end of the show, because that's what I do, that this Sunday is the premiere of the Ben Shapiro election special on Fox News. So that'll be really cool. That's 8 p.m. on Sunday. So make sure to check that out. Also, ensure that you're protected against the causes of inflation. Okay, there could be higher wages because the increase in minimum wages across the country actually increases prices. Importing Imports are going to increase prices as well. Raw materials prices are increasing the tariffs. Rising housing prices, just look at the markets. And the government's solution to recessions is printing more money. And this is why you might want to protect some of your assets against inflation that could be headed our way with precious metals. Gold is a safe haven against uncertainty. My savings plan is diversified, and yours should be as well. It doesn't mean take all your money and take it out of the stock market and put it in gold. It does mean take some of your money and put it in precious metals. The company I trust with precious metal purchases is Birch Gold Group. And right now, thanks to a little-known IRS tax law, you can even move your IRA or eligible 401k into an IRA backed by physical gold and silver, which is perfect for folks who want to protect their hard-earned retirement savings from future geopolitical uncertainty. When you look back historically, You'll see when the bottom falls out of everything else, gold actually safeguards your savings. Birch Gold Group has thousands of satisfied customers, countless five-star reviews, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. You know all about Birch Gold's free information kit, but for a limited time, qualified purchases can earn up to an additional 10 grand in precious metals for free through September 30th. To find out if your purchase qualifies, contact Birch Gold right now. Go to birchgold.com slash Ben. Talk to a Birch Gold representative. Mention that I sent you. That's birchgold.com slash Ben. This offer only runs until September 30th. Terms and limitations apply, so go ask your sales representative for details right now, birchgold.com slash Ben. All righty. So the latest in the Brett Kavanaugh hearing saga is more stupid. So one of the things that's been deeply irritating about this entire saga is that truth and innocence, guilt, none of these things matter anymore. Truth doesn't matter. Guilt doesn't matter. Innocence doesn't matter. All that matters is the political Machiavellian manipulations of Democrats and, it turns out, of the accuser's lawyer. So Christine Blasey Ford is the person who is now accusing Brett Kavanaugh of sexual assault 36 years ago at an unspecified time in an unspecified place. And she originally said, I'd like to come and talk to Republicans. And Republicans said, sure, let's do it. And then she said, well, no, I don't want to do that. And they said, well, but you just said you wanted to do it. And she's like, no, 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 I don't want to do it anymore. And I want the FBI to investigate. And Republicans said, well, the FBI doesn't investigate state crimes 36 years ago. You know, when the FBI did, a, did an investigation of the sexual harassment allegations against Clarence Thomas in 1991, they did that because Clarence Thomas was an employee of the federal government on federal property under federal jurisdiction at the time that those accusations were about. The same is not true of in a private home in the middle of Maryland in 1982, like, that's not an actual, that's not an actual thing the FBI does. And so Republicans were like, well, we're not going to tell the FBI to go investigate a state crime that happened 36 years ago on the basis of no actual evidence except for an allegation that can't even name time and place. And so why don't you just come and talk about it? Now, Kavanaugh has been very clear about this. Kavanaugh put out a letter. He said, I want to be heard. I'm, I'm perfectly happy to come before the committee. He said, I, want to conti I continue to want a hearing as soon as possible so I can clear my name. Since the, moment I first, since the moment I first heard this allegation, I've categorically and unequivocally denied it. I remain committed to defending my integrity. He says he's going to be there on Monday. He's going to testify under oath. That's more than Ford is willing to do. He says he's going to put himself under penalty of perjury. That's more than Ford is willing to do. And I'm sorry, a polygraph is not the same thing as coming and testifying under oath 
because if you testify falsely under oath, you could go to jail if you're held to account for perjury. So Kavanaugh is saying, I'm willing to sit there and categorically deny anything like this ever happened. And I'm going to do that under oath. And meanwhile, Ford's lawyers are attempting desperately to avoid her actually testifying. So she's issued a list of demands. Now, I don't know since when it's become a thing to issue a list of demands to testify in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee. The Senate Judiciary Committee does indeed have subpoena power. I looked it up this morning. So there is a power of subpoena for the Senate Judiciary Committee. The committee rules allow a subpoena under two circumstances. This is section nine of the rules for the Committee on the Judiciary. The chairman of the committee, with the agreement of the ranking member, so that'd be Dianne Feinstein, or by a vote of the committee, may subpoena the attendance of a witness at a committee or subcommittee hearing or committee deposition or the production of memoranda, documents, records, or any other materials. Any such subpoena shall be issued upon the signature of the chairman or any other member of the committee designated by the chairman. So in other words, all Republicans really have to do here is subpoena her. They could theoretically just vote on straight party lines to subpoena Christine Blasey Ford, and then she'd have to testify. But they're not doing that. Instead, because they are trying to be solicitous of her emotional needs, they are, they are being very, I think, open about all of the things that they are willing to do for her. What are some of her demands? Well, frankly, her demands are totally crazy. Okay, the demands that she's making are nuts. So here are some of the things that she is now demanding. No outside counsel questions her. So she refuses to allow Kavanaugh's lawyer to question her in any hearing. Instead, she wants it just to be the senators. The reason for that is so the Democrats can run out the clock and grandstand. If it just turns into the senators questioning her, then it's certainly not going to be about truth or about falsity. It's just going to be about Dianne Feinstein and Kamala Harris signaling for 2020. It's going to be Cory Booker signaling for 2020. You say that this man raped you and these evil white Republican old men here who want to question you. They're evil white and they're Republican old men. That'll be Cory Booker. It's going to be his second Spartacus moment. That's what Christine Blasey Ford's lawyers want, that if she's there, she can be defended by Democratic senators. And then the people who will be asking her questions from the right will be people like Orrin Hatch, who was born during the during the James K. Polk administration. Like that's that's what she's actually looking for. Okay, so that is demand number one. That is an idiotic demand that has nothing to do with reality. Second. This one is truly insane. She is demanding that the the defense should testify first. That's crazy. There is no proceeding in American life where the defense to a charge testifies first. For good reason. You don't know what you're being charged with. If I were to go into court and the police said, you know what? We've got a charge against you. The charge is manslaughter. I was like, well, I need to hear the details of that so I can, you know, defend myself, you know, maybe give you an alibi, tell you where I was at the time. They say, you know what? No. We're not going to give you any of that stuff. You need to present your defense first. You would rightly say, what are you talking about? How am I supposed to defend myself against charges when the only thing we know is that you claim that in a house, at a time, in a place, I did something wrong? How the hell am I supposed to even mobilize a defense based on that? There's no way to do that. So she's demanding that as well. She is also demanding a subpoena against Mark Judge. Now, that one I find the least objectionable that they should subpoena Mark Judge. Mark Judge is supposedly a witness to what happened. Asking him questions under oath seems to me fairly reasonable. But they should also subpoena all the other people who she says were there. They should subpoena everybody if they're going to do like a full criminal trial here. Or alternatively, she should testify and Kavanaugh should testify. She also says that Kavanaugh cannot ask her questions and Kavanaugh cannot be in the same room as her. This is so anti-constitutional. The Constitution says that you have a right to confront your accuser. That if somebody accuses you of a crime, you have a right to actually question the witness. You have a right to confront. And, and let's be real about this. This has become a criminal trial 
of Brett Kavanaugh. This is a criminal trial. Brett Kavanaugh's career either will end with him on the Supreme Court or it will end with him bankrupt, right? It will end with him maybe, you know, really, losing his job on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, being destroyed as a human being. Right? That's where this goes if, if people feel that Blasey Ford is telling the truth. So to treat this as anything less than what it is, which is essentially a criminal trial, is really absurd. But this is what Ford is pushing. And she's saying that if you don't fulfill those commitments, then I'm not going to come testify at all. We still don't know whether she's going to come testify next Thursday. They're probably trying to push this beyond next Thursday because if Kavanaugh is confirmed after the end of September, then he can't sit during a full term of the court. So maybe that is what they're maybe that's what they're looking for. But this is all this is all ridiculous, ridiculous stuff. Also, you can tell how politicized all of this is. So how politicized is all of this at this point? How, how much of this is Democratic manipulation? Virtually all of it is Democratic manipulation. How do we know that? Well, there's a story out today that Kavanaugh's accuser now has a new advisor. Who is this advisor? Ricky Seidman. Now, you may not remember that name, Ricky Seidman. Ricky Seidman is the person who was working for the Senate Judiciary Committee for Senator Ted Kennedy all the way back during the Anita Hill hearings. Okay, so Ricky Seidman is the person who went and solicited Anita Hill in the first place to come forward with her very questionable sexual harassment stories about Clarence Thomas. And now this accuser has hired the same person to advise her through this process. Does that sound partisan to you? Imagine that I came forward with a bunch of allegations against Barack Obama about something. And the person I hired to guide me through that process was Ken Starr. Would people think maybe that that was a partisan thing? Because this sounds kind of partisan. Seidman said in a brief interview, I believe her and I think she's very courageous for coming this far. She worked as Joe Biden's communications director during the 2008 general election campaign. And in 2009, she helped the White House manage the confirmation of Sonia Sotomayor. So this woman who only cares about getting to the truth, not about the politics, she only cares about justice and getting to the truth, just hired a political hack responsible for the raising of Anita Hill, the Joe Biden campaign in 2008, and Sonia Sotomayor. Now, again, for the for the one millionth time, maybe Ford is telling the truth. She, it's, it's possible she is. It's possible she's misremembering. It's possible she's telling the truth. If she's telling the truth, we have to get to the seriousness of the allegations, the truth or falsehood of the allegations. We must get to that. If we do not get to that, all of this is worthless. And that's the part that's so irritating. I want to know whether it's true or false, because if it's true, it's damning, obviously. If it's true that Brett Kavanaugh, when he was 17 years old, pushed a girl into a room, pushed her down on a bed, lay on top of her, tried to rip off her clothes, put his hand over her mouth to prevent her from screaming, I don't think he should sit on the Supreme Court. You know, there's some people on the right side who say, well, if that happened, I don't see why that should mar him the rest of his life. No, I think that that probably should mar him. <laughs> that's, that, that's a really, really bad crime. Again, if, if, the, the reason I know it's a bad crime, because... If somebody did that to my sister and I came in in the middle of that event, I'd shoot him. Right. I literally I, I would take I, I would pick up a blunt instrument and beat the living be bejesus out of him. Right. So it's a bad thing to do a thing bad enough that, yes, it should haunt you if that's something that you did. But we have to know whether it's true or false. It's because I take the charges seriously that I want to know if they're true or false. If I didn't take the charges seriously, I wouldn't care whether they were true or false. If she came forward and she accused Brett Kavanaugh of drinking, of, of shoplifting a Slurpee in 1982, then I wouldn't care. I'd be like, okay, fine. He shoplifted a Slurpee in 1982. He was a stupid kid. Who cares? But this is a serious charge, which requires serious evidence and a serious hearing, which is not what we're getting. 
Okay? And the Democrats obviously are, are not interested in getting down to the bottom of this. They're interested in the politicking surrounding all of it. And I'm going to explain more how obvious that is in just one second. But first, let's talk about your bathroom habits. No matter what you do in the bathroom to get ready every morning, Dollar Shave Club has everything you need to look, feel, smell your best. They have amazing shower stuff, hair styling products, toothbrushes and toothpaste, and of course, the razors and shave supplies. I love their amber lavender body cleanser. It is delightful. They also have like a sage and black pepper shampoo that smells really good. And I'm big into the, into the good smelling body washes and shampoos because I do want to smell like a delight. I may be a hard and fast political pundit, but I am also a man who likes to smell decent. And that's where Dollar Shave Club comes in. That, that's how I get ready in the mornings. But that may not, not be the way that you get ready in the mornings. Maybe you shave your whole body to get ready for a bike race because you're some sort of weirdo. Dollar Shave Club's executive razor and shave butter can help. You might do your hair to get ready for your soccer match because you're European or something. Boogies by DSC can help you get your style right. The thing is, no matter what you do to get ready, DSC has everything you need. And right now, you can get ready with an amazing deal on any of their starter sets. I recommend the Daily Essential Starter Set because I love that amber lavender body cleanser. Go over to dollarshaveclub.com slash Ben. Pick your own DSC starter set for just five bucks. After your starter set, products ship at regular price. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash Ben. Again, dollarshaveclub.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now, dollarshaveclub.com slash Ben for that special deal. All right, so how do we know how political the Democrats are making this? Here's how political the Democrats are making this. Elizabeth Warren, a fighter on behalf of women everywhere. Me too, Elizabeth Warren. Right, Elizabeth Warren sent out a fundraising letter on the basis of these accusations. She put out a fundraising email blast. Quote, this is outrageous. Brett Kavanaugh is already disqualified to serve on the Supreme Court, but now we're learning new information about a sexual assault allegation. If we, if we all get in this fight right now from Boston and across the country, then we've got a fighting chance at stopping the Republicans and Kavanaugh in their tracks. And then there's a big donate now button. So she's using a sexual assault allegation to fundraise for herself. Really classy, not political at all, not political in the slightest, just about getting to the truth, just about defending the rights of women, not political at all, not political in any way. And the, and the way that the Democrats are, are trotting all of this out, I mean, they, they, this really is McCarthyism. It's McCarthyism of the highest order. So Kirsten Gillibrand, who, as I said yesterday, is a complete weather vane of a human being. Right? All she does is look at which way the prevailing winds are blowing, and then she turns in that direction. So she said, why isn't Brett Kavanaugh asking for an FBI probe? Is what she said. Maybe he's not asking for an FBI probe because he thinks he's innocent. Yeah, I accuse Kirsten Gillibrand of slaughtering monkeys in her backyard. That's what I accuse her of. Why doesn't she demand an FBI probe to clear herself of animal abuse? Why? Kirsten Gillibrand, talk your stupid. Who is not asking the FBI to investigate these claims? The White House. Dr. Kavanaugh, or, excuse me, Judge. Judge Kavanaugh has not asked to have the FBI review these claims. Is that the, is that the reaction of an innocent person? Okay, it let me also not. point something out about this FBI nonsense. Clarence Thomas, there was an FBI investigation into the claims by Anita Hill. You know what it found, that FBI investigation? It found nothing. It found nothing. It found no outside verification of any of the charges. Did that stop the Democrats from smearing Clarence Thomas? Of course not. Did it stop the left from believing Ter Clarence Thomas is a serial sexual abuser, even though there were no corroborative events? Right? There were no other women who came forward and said that Justice Thomas ever did anything like that, and he denied that in full? Of course not. So all this focus on the FBI stuff is clearly misdirection. Because if the FBI report comes out and says, hey, we've got no evidence, the Democrats will just say, well, the FBI is dominated by Trump. Who cares? It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And that's not all Kirsten Gillibrand had to say. Kirsten Gillibrand then came forward and said, listen, we shouldn't even have a hearing. She should skip the hearing. 
So the same people saying Republicans refuse to hear her story. They refuse to hear her story. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand says she shouldn't even tell her story because Republicans are going to refuse to hear it. Now, there's nothing more irritating in life than a person who keeps changing their mind about what exactly they want from you. If my wife says, you know, honey, I want to talk about something. Say, okay, let's talk about it. And she says, you know what? I don't want to talk about it anymore. Just because you said that, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm like, but you wanted to talk about it. But now I don't want to talk about it. And I need you to stop bothering me about it. I would rightly say, what crazy pills are you on today? My wife has never said anything like that because she's not a crazy person. But Kristen Gillibrand is apparently a crazy person. Here she is saying that now the accuser should not even go to a sham hearing. If they don't have a hearing, it's because they're trying to silence her. And if they do have a hearing, it's because it's a sham. This scenario where it's a he said, she said, uh, where many members of the committee have already made up their mind without the benefit of an FBI uh, investigation where it's um, nonpartisan and objective and without the benefit of corroborating witnesses being able to testify, it's a sham hearing. And I, I don't think she should participate in it. There are no corroborating witnesses. None. Zero. Mark Judge has said that it didn't happen. Okay, so there's no one who backs her story. There's not a single person who's in the know who backs her story. There are a bunch of people who have nothing to do, who literally know nothing who are backing her story. There are a bunch of celebrities backing her story. So celebrities, I love this, they rallied behind her. I remember when they did the same thing with Juanita Broderick. I remember when Juanita Broderick accused Bill Clinton of rape and all these celebrities came forth and they were like, you know what? Believe Juanita Broderick. I remember five minutes ago when an accuser came forward and said that Keith Ellison beat her up. And I remember when all these same celebrities cut a video saying, believe the woman. I remember when all of these celebrities cut a video ripping into Cory Booker for saying in his actual memoirs that he grabbed a boob. Okay, there's a quote from Cory Booker from his, from his memoirs. He wrote in the early 1990s while a student at Stanford. Okay, quote, with the Top Gun slogan ringing in my head, I slowly reached for her breast. After having my hand pushed away once, I reached my mark. And then he said that this was a wake-up call he said, I will never be the same, he wrote in his Stanford column. But where are all the women saying, that was a Me Too moment? I, I remember when all these celebrities cut a video ripping into Cory Booker. How dare he do that to a woman? How dare he do that to a woman? No, they didn't do any of that. Instead, they cut a video about Brett Kavanaugh. What do they know about Bre Brett Kavanaugh? Nothing. What do they know about the accuser? Nothing. What do they know? They know that Brett Kavanaugh is appointed by Trump, and Trump's bad, and that means Brett Kavanaugh's bad, and that means Brett Kavanaugh's a rapist. That's basically the logic here. Here's a bunch of idiot celebrities who know as much about this case as my pool guy, sounding off on whether Brett Kavanaugh is indeed an alleged assault, assault, assaulter. Women from all walks of life are supporting Professor Christine Blasey Ford since coming forward about Brett Kavanaugh. We know how difficult it is to stand up to powerful as people. Julianne Moore. As members of the Senate determine whether Supreme Court nominee some lady. Brett Kavanaugh. That's Alicia Milano. should serve more as people. a Supreme Court justice. The Supreme Court justice. People you recognize from TV but don't know their names. He should Julianne not Moore. be confirmed. You America should be the decision maker about how your Human. story is shared, if ever. We applaud your courage in coming forward human. for the public good. Another human. You and your testimony incredible. You and your testimony are Another human. We believe you. A person with a head. We believe you. We believe you. Signed, your sisters. Signed, your sisters. Signed. Your sisters. Ah, oh, signed your sisters. We believe you. We believe. Who cares? You don't know anything about the case. What are you even talking about? Okay. W like, really, tell us which house it happened in then. We believe you. you signed your sisters. 
it's just, it's astonishing. Again, this has not, and I love these protesters showed up in the Senate yesterday. They had lunch catered to them, by the way. So somebody was paying for these protesters to be there. Here are the protesters yesterday, hundreds of them showing up at the Capitol building and chanting, we believe women. They also do this outside the, the Clinton Presidential Library. You, you've seen it. It looks like a giant trailer in the middle of Arkansas. Here's a, here's a bunch of these women. Okay, n- no, you don't. You believe women who, who say stuff you want them to say. That's, that's the reality of this, and we all know it, and we all know it. And again, the McCarthyism from the left, it's not just Kirsten Gillibrand, it's Maisie Hirono, who's now being proclaimed a champion of the left by the Washington Post. So the Washington Post, which says Maxine Waters is a champion of the left, they now say that Maisie Hirono is, she's a senator from Hawaii, she says, what does Brett Kavanaugh have to hide? There are at least 58 communists in the government right now, and I have a list here in my hand. And if you cannot disprove that you are on this list, you are therefore in the pay of the USSR. Here we go, full Senator McCarthy from Maisie Hirono. I'm counting on the members of the press to point out that this is a fast track. They are totally intent on getting Judge Kavanaugh onto the Supreme Court. Come hell or high water. Come hell or high water. And you have to ask yourself, why? And why isn't Judge Kavanaugh asking for an FBI investigation if he has nothing to hide? You all should continue Again, to press that point. This is just McCarthyism. It's just McCarthyism. Okay, we'll get to the Republican response in just one second because the Republicans suck at pretty much everything. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about your Second Amendment rights. So you're a gun lover because you feel like you have the right in the United States and just as a human being to own a gun in protection of your family and in defense of your rights. Well, the USCCA has a big gun giveaway. Remember, I told you about it earlier. If you want to win big, you have to hurry. The USCCA wants to give you 10 free chances to win the gun of your dreams. It is easy quick and 100% free, but it's almost over. This is your last chance because this ends on Friday. When you win, you get 1,500 bucks to buy the brand new gun of your dreams. And remember, it's not just one gun. You'll get 10 free chances to win. Simply text WIN to the number 87222 for the official rules and to instantly lock in your 10 free chances to win. It's that easy. Just get your phone out right now. Text WIN, that's W-I-N, to 87222. This is your absolute last chance. It's too easy and way too valuable to pass it up. Again, text WIN to 87222 right now. Just for doing that, you could win 1500 bucks for doing something that easy. Get your 10 free chances to make your dream come true right now. Text WIN to 87222. That's WIN to 87222. The USCCA has all sorts of great services, educational services, legal defense services. They have all sorts of great stuff. Go check them out in any case by texting WIN to the number 87222. Go check it out right now because this last chance ends on Friday. So go check it out. All righty. So how do Republicans respond? To all of this, you know, hold on. Before I get to how Republicans respond to all of this, I just have to point out one more tweet that just shows the richness, the richness of the hypocrisy of Democrats on issues relating to women. This one comes courtesy of Representative Joe Kennedy, who you may know from the last name Kennedy and also from his too thick chapstick during his response to the State of the Union address. So Representative Joe Kennedy, the third, tweeted out, put aside partisan politics and process. Christine Blasey Ford deserves to be heard. She deserves decency from our government, not a power play from the GOP Senate. Yeah, you might want to tell that to your Uncle Ted. You might want to tell that to the guy who left a woman at the bottom of a river with an air bubble where she suffocated as he went and got his alibi ready. I don't think that Kennedys should talk about such things. Just just me. I think that probably it is not good optics. So how do Republicans respond to all this? Here's the thing. Kavanaugh 
has the upper hand right now. Why? Because he's willing to testify, because he's willing to go under oath, because he's not setting conditions on his testimony, because he said, no, I didn't do it. He has the upper hand because if I come forward with a vague, unsubstantiated allegation, and then I refuse to testify under oath about that allegation, and then you say, I didn't do it. I'm happy to say that anywhere, anytime, under oath, I don't care, I'll do it right now. Then I'm more likely to believe you than me. The person who says they're willing to risk perjuring themselves to rebut allegations against them, I'm more likely to trust them. So Kavanaugh has the upper hand right now. Again, she has provided no evidence of time, no evidence of place, no evidence of witnesses, no evidence of corroborating people who have said that, that Kavanaugh has ever done anything similar. None of that. So Kavanaugh does have the upper hand. And again, I repeat, the reason I'm taking this the, the truth case seriously here is because when somebody makes an allegation this serious, we ought to treat it seriously. It is not being treated seriously. If he did this, he's not going to be on the Supreme Court, nor should he be. If he didn't do it, then this is one of the worst smears I've ever seen in my entire political life. It's one or the other. There is no in-between. So Republicans have a pretty good case. Okay, the FBI did what it's supposed to do. You got no evidence. We at least have to question her. This guy's willing to testify under oath. It's a pretty good case for Brett Kavanaugh. So instead, Republicans decide to be as stupid as humanly possible. Number one, they are going to negotiate to the ends of the earth to bring Ford in, give her everything that she wants. They shouldn't do that. They should say, listen, lady, here's the deal. We understand that you have a story to tell. But if you want to tell that story, you actually have to tell the story. We can't just, we can't just accept at face value an allegation with no substantiating evidence. So you're going to have to actually testify. So here's the deal. We're not going to listen to demands. We're not going to listen to any of that. We're going to have a hearing the way we want to have a hearing because it's the Senate Judiciary Committee. You don't get to make demands when the cops call you in for a questioning. And you don't get to make demands when you're a witness in any criminal trial or in any civil trial. If I were called as a witness in a civil trial, I couldn't demand to the court what the lawyers could ask me and what they can't ask me. That's not how it works. They get to ask me whatever they want. So you're going to come in and we're going to allow Brett Kavanaugh or one of his representatives to question you. And we're going to make you go first. And then Brett Kavanaugh will go second. And then everybody gets heard. And then we're done. And if you don't say yes to that, we're calling a vote right now, today. You have until, this doesn't take you long to make up your mind. You have until a certain time. And at that point, we are calling a vote. End of story. That's all we're doing. That's it. Republicans won't do that. Instead, Republicans have decided to be as as conciliatory as possible. I understand why, right? I understand why they're doing this. The reason that they're doing this, obviously, is because they don't want to look like they're sexist. And I get that. The problem is, there are people like President Trump. So President Trump comes forward. And we've all been, we've all been, I think, very pleased that President Trump has stayed as far away from this as possible because the guy with a bunch of outstanding sexual, you know, abuse allegations probably isn't the guy you want talking about this on a regular basis. Having him in the back room basically doing whatever he wants to do, playing Mario Kart or whatever he does in his spare time, you know, all of that is fine. Just have him do that. Keep him away from Twitter. Don't have him comment on this. If you're Brett Kavanaugh, you're like, Mr. President, stop. Go away, right, if you're Brett Kavanaugh. So President Trump can't be kept away from the microphones for long. He's, it's, it's, sort, it's sort of like every, every movie where they tie up a monster in the basement and you know that sooner or later the monster will break free. So President Trump broke free and he says, I don't think you can delay this hearing any longer. This part's fine, what he says right here. To take a man like this and be smirch. Now, with that being said, let her have her say, and let's see how it all works out. But I don't think you can delay it any longer. They've delayed it a week already. Yeah, all of that is, is totally fine. Then he gets to the part that's not totally fine because the Democrats want a narrative. The narrative they want is Republicans don't care about women. Republicans don't take allegations seriously. Republicans think that women who don't report to the police are, are lying. 
So President Trump decides to jump onto this thing with both feet because it's a grin, it is a landmine. And as we know, the president has a peculiar propensity, like, like a moth to the flame. He sees a political landmine lying there in the sand. He's like, you know, it'd be fun. You know, it'd be a good idea. I'm going to just jump on that sucker. Not one foot, both. So here he goes saying, why didn't she call the FBI 36 years ago? This is a double whammy of stupid, and I will explain why momentarily. Why didn't somebody call the FBI 36 years ago? I mean, you could also say, when did this all happen? What's going on? Okay, so this is pretty amazing. Uh, why is this a double whammy of stupid? One, one of the claims people on the right are making correctly is this is not within the FBI's jurisdiction. It's a state crime that happened 36 years ago. The other claim that people on the right are making is we take her credit, we take her allegation seriously, which is why we would like to see her come forth and testify. Trump, in one statement there, dispenses with both of those arguments. He says the FBI should be involved, should have been involved 36 years ago. They should not. The implication being, why wouldn't they be involved now, right? The, the follow-up question from the left is, okay, you say she should have called the FBI 36 years ago. Why don't you just call the FBI right now? So there's that. And then Republicans say, we take her allegation seriously, which is why we want her to say something. And Trump says, I don't take her allegations seriously because if she had been serious about them, she would have reported it to the cops. This is silly. She was 15 years old. There are a lot of reasons why women don't go to the police or law enforcement in cases of sexual assault or abuse. Often they feel embarrassed. Often they feel ashamed. Often they start to blame themselves. There are lots of psychological studies on this. Just because a 15-year-old girl didn't go to the cops in 1982 doesn't mean that nothing happened to her in 1982. And we have too many cases of people being abused, and then it comes out that they actually were abused. And they didn't report it until much later because they internalized the abuse. That sort of stuff happens fairly regularly, not just in the United States, but around the world. So President Trump jumping on that grenade. With, and then he decides, you know what? I'm going to double down on this because it was so smart when I said it last night with Sean. I'm going to say this on Twitter this morning. So he tweets out, I have no doubt that if the attack on Dr. Ford was as bad as she says, charges would have been immediately filed with local law enforcement authorities by either her or her loving parents. I ask that you bring those filings forward so that we can learn date, time, and place. Well, again, she didn't have to file charges for a thing to be true. And this makes it look like you're not taking the allegation seriously, which is all Democrats really want out of this anyway. Democrats, all they want is to call Republicans sexist. So thanks for that, Mr. President. That's, that's super helpful. Then he tweets out a follow-up. Uh, and his follow-up is the radical left lawyers now want the FBI to get involved. Why didn't someone call the FBI 36 years ago? Again, same point he made with, with Sean, just not a good point. That wasn't the limit of Republican stupidity yesterday. So Ed Whelan, I mentioned him yesterday on the show. I was shocked by this. Ed Whelan writes for National Review. He's the head of the Ethics and Public Policy Center. He's about as, I would say, considered a fellow as I have ever seen in American public life. He's somebody who meticulously, he writes bench memos, which is a, a meticulously written blog for National Review about like specific paragraphs in specific court decisions. He's somebody who really puts his ducks in a row before he says anything. And he had suggested yesterday there will be evidence coming out that will exonerate Brett Kavanaugh. And I said, we don't know what that is yet. But coming from Ed Whelan, we have to take that seriously. It turns out that Ed Whelan was just basically speculating, rank speculation. He puts out a tweet thread yesterday. There is no excuse for this, and it's idiotic. He puts out a tweet thread yesterday suggesting that like complete with Zillow maps and home charts of a house near a place where he says that the physical description of the home matches the physical description that Blasey Ford put forth. And then he puts a picture online of a classmate of Brett Kavanaugh's from high school who looks kind of like Brett Kavanaugh. 
And he suggests basically that this guy is Brett Kavanaugh's evil twin. And so Ford has mixed up this guy and Brett Kavanaugh. It's a pretty solid case for defamation. Okay, That guy could easily sue Ed Whalen and maybe, and maybe win some significant dollars. Whalen later deleted the entire tweet thread and said, oh, that was a mistake. I shouldn't have done that. Why would you put that out? Again, the burden of proof is on the accuser. She's provided no proof and won't testify as of right now. Why would you do that, Ed Whelan? Idiotic. Now, my guess is that he thinks Kavanaugh is innocent and he's just going to whatever length and then he sort of convinced himself this is a good idea. But whatever it is, there is no excuse for it, obviously. And that's why he had to back off of it. Oh, Republicans, how often you disappoint me. All you had to do here was simply maintain that you're going to have her testify and then try to have her provide some additional information or evidence. And when she doesn't, you say, we're holding the vote. End of story. We're done. That's it. Not difficult. Yet somehow, somehow they manage to seize at least some defeat out of the jaws of victory. All righty. Before we go any further, and we'll talk about the media treatment of all this, plus we have to get to the mailbag. Before we go any further, let's talk about managing your money. Betterment. It's the smart way to manage your money Betterment is how you outsmart average. It's the investing tool for people who refuse to settle for average investing. What does Betterment do for you? Well, it's a technology designed to help you make more from your investments. It's unlimited expert advice designed to help you make smart financial decisions. I have a financial advisor. You can have a financial advisor as well. And that's basically what Betterment is. They give you tax-efficient investing strategies that give you an edge, low transparent fees, constant access to information, and tools that allow you to track progress toward your goals so you can always feel like a smart, savvy investor. They are your online financial advisor. And listen, I don't have time to manage my own money, and I need the best advice I can get. You do too. Everyone does because you have a job, right? So go check them out right now. Betterment, outsmart average. Investing does involve risk, but Ben Shapiro Show listeners can get up to one year managed for free. For more information, visit betterment.com slash Shapiro. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-M-E-N-T dot com slash Shapiro. Betterment.com slash Shapiro. Betterment is how you outsmart average. Go check them out right now. Betterment.com slash Shapiro to get up to one year managed for free. All right. So the media treatment of this situation continues to be absolutely abhorrent. There have been a bevy of columns that have come out recently saying they don't care whether Kavanaugh is guilty or innocent. He deserves to be tried and convicted in the court of public opinion because he's a man. And men are evil. Men are bad. And therefore, because all men are bad and Brett Kavanaugh is a man, then by the, by the Greek logic, this means that Brett Kavanaugh raped a girl or tried to rape a girl in 1982. And they put out a story from the Washington Post yesterday that his frat house in college was walking around campus with a flag made out of women's panties. So? I'm, I failed to see the connection. So a frat house did what frat houses do, and that means he must have attempted to rape a girl in 1982. Got it. That makes perfect sense to me. Makes perfect sense. And then there's Chris Cuomo, who continues to try to outshine his brother on CNN. He, he had an argument with Kellyanne Conway, and all of, these, all of these interviews of Kellyanne Conway between Cuomo and Conway are basically just Cuomo shouting at her that she should shut up, and Conway shouting at him that she doesn't want to shut up, and that's what this turned into. You want to lay the blame at somebody's feet? Look no further than your Democratic friends, starting with Senator Feinstein. Even the Democrats are angry with her. If Dr. Ford is but upset what does with that anybody, have to do with no, the no, no, truth don't interrupt me. That's just hey, politics. Chris, that's just that's politics. Not, that's Mitch McConnell Chris, saying he's you just okay. Think you can talk that's over me. I'll walk away. Well, but, you look, guys beg me look, to come on, I, and then you want to interrupt as me. As I've Hold said on. many times, you're always no, no, no. welcome to come on, but, okay, but I have to stop you and check what you put out there. No, 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 no. I didn't say nothing came out of my mouth yet. You're just a lot talking. of noise coming for nothing coming out of your mouth. Okay. I, heard I can leave. Out. I can leave and That's we can watch him get confirmed next week. Okay. You ready for that? <laughs> and good for Kellyanne Conway, because that's exactly what Republicans should do at this point. Okay, if the accuser won't come forward, 
if the Democrats continue to stonewall just to throw a cloud over a guy who they have no idea whether he actually did any of this stuff, then they should just cut this out and they should and they should have the vote and confirm him. Enough is enough. Okay, well, we are going to get into the mailbag in just a second. First, you have to go over to Daily Wire to subscribe and be part of the mailbag, by the way. For $9.99 a month, get the rest of this show live, the rest of Andrew Clavin's show live, the rest of Michael Knowles' show live, if that's a thing you are into, the rest of Matt Walsh's show as well. We do have a Matt Walsh podcast that you should check out. Go check out all of those things for $9.99 a month. Plus, this, the very greatest in all beverage vessels, the $99 a year version. You get this, the leftist tears, hot or cold mug, tumbler, tumbler, I know. And go check that out because it is spectacular and is a better deal than the monthly. Also, when you subscribe to YouTube or iTunes, that means you get access to our Sunday special, which features the inimitable Glenn Beck this week. We have a bunch of great guests coming up in the next few weeks. I mean, really awesome guests. You're going to want to be a part of it. Go check it out at YouTube or iTunes right now. We are the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast in the nation. All righty. So let's mailbag it up. It's time to mailbag it up. So John says, long live overlord Shapiro. I know you don't necessarily advocate owning the libs just to do it, but today would you please entertain us with the most triggering thing you have ever said to a leftist at any time, anywhere, and the most triggered reaction you got, Zoe Turr on CNN Headline News doesn't count. Well, obviously being physically assaulted on a national news network probably would be the best example, which is what happened with Zoe Turr when Zoe Turr suggested that I didn't know anything about biology, little boy, and kept saying that over and over. And Zoe Turner is a transgender woman. And I said, what are your genetics, sir? And then he grabbed me by the back of the neck on national TV and threatened to send me home in an ambulance, which, as always, makes no sense. You don't go home in an ambulance. That was that was it. But I'm trying to think what I've said that's the most triggering. Well, there, there are a bunch of situations where people have gotten very upset at me, obviously. The one that comes to mind is actually one that was not like a public event. So I was in a Chabad house in at Harvard. It's a Friday night. And... At Harvard, everybody is on the left. And on Friday nights, you go to the Chabad house for the Friday night dinner. And this girl comes in with her boyfriend, and she's sitting across from me, and she wants to talk politics. And I was like, okay, fine. So she, she starts talking politics, and she's talking about the mandatory maximum work week in France. And she says, what we should do here in the United States is we should have a maximum work week, meaning like 40 hours a week or 35 hours a week. That should be the maximum. And then you shouldn't be allowed to work anymore. And I said, that's a really dumb idea. Here's all the reasons why that's a really dumb idea. And she kept just saying that it was the most compassionate thing to do. And at a certain point, I said, listen, you really don't know a lot about this topic. And if you're this ignorant about this topic, I assume you're, I mean, you brought it up. I assume you're this ignorant about other topics as well. And so I really would prefer that you not vote. Like, please don't vote because you don't know what it is that you're talking about. And your vote counts the same as my vote. So don't, don't vote, right? And her boyfriend was sitting next to her and her boyfriend starts nodding. Because her boyfriend realizes that I'm right. And she gets very upset. And you can see her starting to well up. And at this point, I feel a little bad. And she goes downstairs. And he goes downstairs at this Chabad house. And I can hear them yelling at each other. And then they come back upstairs. She sits back down across from me. And she wants to talk politics some more. And I was like, no, we're done. We're the, like, once I make you cry, we're finished here. There's nothing more for me to do. Like, I can't, I can't have a conversation. I, I actually said to her, consider this the limousine. I'm the driver. The, t the window just went up. There is no more talking. We are finished here. This is the so that was probably, that's the one that comes to mind anyway. Okay, Brian says, to the Haley Shapiro 2024 campaign. This morning, there was news about three different workplace shootings across America in the last 24 hours. Two of them seem fairly normal, though I find it horrifying there is a normal among such evil acts. The third, however, was regarding a transgender individual, pronouns and biological gender 
not given. And the article was not about the victims of the person shooting, but about the person's hard life, personal struggles, and the poetry on their blog site, as well as many commendations from his or her peers about the character and goodwill of the shooter. Is this what the nation is turning to? Not only are minority groups the victims of the most horrible country that has ever existed, but now when they commit crimes, they are the victims. Brian. Well, I mean, obviously, this has been a tendency on the part of the left is to attribute crime when it is not a member of a majority group to the sins of the society at large. This is something left really, really likes to do. They will say that higher crime rates in certain areas, that's a result of victimization at the top level. They say this about terrorism abroad, by the way. After 9-11, it was left saying, why? Why do they hate us? As though we had somehow provoked their hatred, and that's why they had taken down two of our towers and, and the Pentagon. The left has a tendency always to blame America for the problems of individual decision-making, and that's a serious a serious issue. And it, it does, you know, it, it is fascinating to watch as they apply to some folks, but, but not to others. Alan says, hi, Ben. How do I best explain to my 16-year-old son the differences between Democrats, Republicans, liberals, and conservatives? Love your show. Give soccer a chance, Alan. Uh, so... The truth is, I don't hate soccer as much as I say I hate soccer. It's more of just a cultural stereotype, me hating soccer. Uh, I've actually been to a soccer match in Seattle. I was taken by my friend Jason Rance, and um, it was amusing. It was amusing. Uh, I will say the enthusiasm at soccer match is pretty high. Uh, so I don't hate soccer as much as I proclaim to. Um, what are the differences between Democrats and Republicans? Well, the differences between Democrats and Republicans are really less relevant than, than the difference between liberals and conservatives. I would say that the differences between liberals and conservatives come down to a couple of things. One, People on the left tend to believe that human nature is inherently good. And therefore, if you just release people from the shackles of Judeo-Christian values, then they will live better lives. And then if we use reason and the collective, then we can create a better utopian society. That's sort of the vision of the left. And collective rights trump individual rights. Individuals are not as important as the greatest good for the greatest number crammed down by a government made up of the best. Right? That's sort of the, the leftist ideal. They also value equality of outcome over equality of opportunity. Life is unfair, which means that if unfair stuff happens, then that is the responsibility of the government to rectify. People on the right tend to think if something unfair happened, maybe there's no way to prevent that. All we can do is ensure that you have the same rights as everybody else. And th that would be, I can think, the central difference. Again, the right believes in, in unalienable, God-given rights to the individual that government cannot trample. The left believes that rights are created by the collective. They are created by government and therefore can be taken away by government in the interests of the collective. Now, Stephen says, hi, Ben. Do you think we should end the Fed or does it serve a legitimate purpose? Thanks and have a great weekend. Kind of torn on it, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the Federal Reserve. I think that the Federal Reserve uh, is, is unnecessary to a certain extent. And the Federal Reserve provides a couple of functions. It, it lends out to, uh, to various banks. It ensures that those banks... Uh, have backing in case those banks should go down. This is why your personal deposits are guaranteed by the Federal Reserve. I think that the the Federal Reserve is... Eh, I, I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan. Uh, Josh says, hey, Ben, as a fellow comic book fan, I wanted to know if you've watched Daredevil on Netflix, and if so, what you think of it. Thanks. The big problem with Daredevil on Netflix is that Daredevil is the least interesting character on Daredevil. That is the problem with Daredevil. So all the other characters are much more interesting. So the second season which had the Punisher in it. The Punisher was a much better character than Daredevil. And Daredevil loses every argument to the, to the Punisher. They, they keep having arguments where Daredevil's like, you can't kill that guy. Why would you kill that guy? And Punisher's like, because if I don't kill that guy, he's going to come back and kill somebody. And Daredevil's like, but that's mean. And the Punisher says, well, right, because he's a bad guy. And then we're supposed to agree with Daredevil, which doesn't make any sense at all. It's really stupid. Uh, Daredevil is less interesting than Kingpin in the first season. The problem with Daredevil is that they make him kind of like a pansy who does ninja jumps. 
And that's and that's really that's that's really irritating. So, and I was a big fan of the Daredevil comics when I was growing up. Alex says you're obviously a fan of good classical music. Have you ever been interested in choral music? I believe it can be even more moving than orchestral music. Uh, yeah, I do like choral music. Uh, Brahms's German Requiem is uh, is really pretty spectacular. Uh, the obviously um, the uh, Bach Mass is is spectacular stuff. I love opera. Uh, the uh, in Fidelio, the Prisoner's Chorus is is a choral number. Obviously, yeah, there's some there's some really terrific choral music. Justin says, "Does Trump run again for 2020? If so, do you think the media and Facebook, Twitter shutdown of conservatives will stop a red win? Uh, he does run again in 2020 because he nothing will stop him, and he's the president. I'm, why shouldn't he? Um, do I think that Facebook and media crackdown will hurt him? Yeah, because that's what it's designed to do. I mean, the, the, the social media have decided that they are not going to allow free discourse of ideas, particularly if it helps President Trump. There's a story from Daily Caller today, and Tucker Carlson reported it as well, all about how there is a Google full-on discussion of how to skew search results to hurt President Trump. It seems to me evident that the social media companies are very much to the left, and they are insulted that Trump is president. Blake says, since I'm coming to LA for the first time for Politicon, is there anything in particular you think I should see or do? Well, a lot of my Daily Wire colleagues are going to be at Politicon. Uh, I'll be doing uh, a big Q&A, and then I'm also on a panel later, I believe. Is that right? I, I don't know. I, something like that. Uh, and then uh, Alicia Krauss will be there. Uh, Andrew Claven will be there. Uh, I would recommend you see all of those. And then Michael Moles will be there also. And you asked me what you should or should not do. So uh, Claire says, hi, Ben. I have a question about the national debt in the U.S. I understand the textbook reason why managing our debt is important. However, when I look around and see all the economic stability and growth we are currently experiencing, I can understand why people do not take our national debt seriously. Can you explain why managing our national debt is important and perhaps give a few examples of countries who have not taken their debt seriously? Thank you, Claire. Sure. Venezuela didn't take its national debt seriously. And thus, when they went to pay back their national debt, they had no money and no one could sell additional bonds. They had to keep government spending. That means they had to inflate their currency. This is what happens, right? Weimar Germany, same sort of thing. If you don't pay back your national debt, at a certain point, people lose faith in your debt because all of these monetary items are no longer backed by gold. So it's not like you can walk into a bank, plop down a dollar and get the dollar's worth of gold. Instead, it is backed by the full faith and credit of the United States. Well, that means that basically you trust the U.S. is going to pay off its debts. What happens if the debt reaches an unsustainable point where it doesn't look like the U.S. is ever going to pay off its debts? At that point, it's impossible to sell additional bonds, which is what funds current government spending. At that point, you either have to take austerity measures, meaning cutting social services, or you have to inflate the currency or both. And, and that's when the economy goes to hell in a handbasket and when you get social unrest because people feel that they're owed certain things they've been promised and they don't get those things. That's what you saw in Greece. You've seen it in Spain. Uh, you're starting to see it in some of the Nordic countries where they're cutting back social services or restructuring some of the social services. The only reason they haven't been doing it in countries like Norway is because they have an enormous oil slush fund. Um, let's see, Joe says... Hi, Ben. With everything regarding Brett Kavanaugh, do you think men and women with good character and morality will now be less likely to enter the field of politics? In addition, with tribalism getting out of hand, does this make you hesitant to consider a possible run into American politics? Thanks and love the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you're a good person and you're somebody who takes criticism to heart, you don't want to be anywhere near politics. When I was a kid, I thought a lot about being on the Supreme Court. In fact, if you watch the tape of me at the Israeli bonds banquet when I'm 11 years old, 12 years old, Larry King leads off by saying that I want to be the first Orthodox Jew on the Supreme Court. So I've, I've been into politics since as long as I can remember. Would I actually want to be in government at any point here? I don't think so. Because the viciousness of people who take everything that you ever did out of context in order to destroy you is astonishing. The number of people who are willing to make things up to destroy you is incredible. Would you want to go through that, really? I, I don't know. It's, I, I think what you're going to get is the people who have the least capacity for shame running in politics 
And that also happens to be generally the worst people. People who have no capacity for shame are people who are willing to do anything. People who are willing to do anything should not be in charge of the levers of the nation's government. But that's exactly what you're going to get thanks to the targeted search and destroy mission of the media and the, and the tribal politics in which we exist. Fravel says, Ben, if enough of your supporters agreed to raise the money you would need to be Trump's personal Twitter advisor and counselor, what would that number be? And would you please consider taking the position? Think about it. Well, number one, I don't think that you can actually be paid. I don't, I don't know how that would work. Number two, it wouldn't work. It's like being Trump's lawyer. Being, you think there aren't people in the White House who look at Trump's tweets and go, dude, just stop. I'm sure that every day somebody says to him, Mr. President, do you think that's well advised? He goes, yes, I love it. Tweet it nine times. He, he does what he wants to do. He's the president of the United States. He can't shut down his Twitter account. His he doesn't listen to his advisors on this kind of stuff. If he did, he would have stopped it a long time ago. Believe me, I know. Okay, I, I, I talk to people in the White House. This is not like, a, it's not that people in the White House don't know what's going on with his Twitter account. Is that they have given up, it's basically, his Twitter account is Dante's seventh circle of hell. Abandon hope all ye who enter here. If you go into the White House, you know he's going to tweet. That's just the way this is going to work. Let's see. Um... Tzvi says, how do you fit your life into 24 hours? It seems to me between your job, your wife, and your kids, your religious obligations, your watercolors, indeed, <laughs> Skillshare.com, and watching all the TV and reading all the books you talk about, I'm assuming you eat and sleep at some point as well. You run out of time somewhere. What's the secret? The secret is you really have to segment your time. You really, there's no such thing as multitasking. Multitasking is a myth. You basically have to sit and you have to say, okay, now for the next two hours, I'm writing. Now for the next hour, I'm doing my show. Now for the next hour, I'm going to go work out. And then after that, I'm going to learn a little Talmud. And then after that, I'm going to go and I'm going to write some more. And then after that, I'm going to go and pick up my daughter at school. You really have to segment your time. You have to organize your time in a real way. That means you have to sit down before the day begins and say, here are the tasks I have to do. Here's the amount of time I'm allotting to each task. And here's how I'm going to do it. At a certain point, it sort of becomes rote. At a certain point, you don't have to write it down anymore. You just get used to doing it in your own head. So today, for example, you know, I have to, I know that I'm going to have to get up in the morning. I'm going to have to write a couple of pieces. I need to get it done early. So I have time later this afternoon to pre-plan the Fox show that I'm doing on Sunday, right? All of this is, is just a planning process that you have to go through. I know that later today, I have a couple of interviews on Fox. I, like, I know what my schedule is going to be. I used to be much worse at this. Also, you have to say no to things. This is the biggest thing. Honestly, I'm a person who says yes to pretty much everything. People want part of your time. They want you to talk. They want you to email. They want you to talk on the phone and hang out with them. You really have to decide whether it's worth it and when somebody says, listen, I just want five minutes of your time, there is no such thing as just five minutes of your time. It doesn't work that way because it takes you 10 minutes to extricate yourself from what you're doing here, spend the five minutes, and then 15 minutes to get back into what you were doing. Every five minutes of your time is actually 25 minutes of your time. Maybe more, maybe 30. So that means that if somebody asks, there's a great article about this, and I can't remember who wrote it. I wish I, I, wish I did so I could give credit. But when I read it, I was like, this is exactly right. When somebody walks in and it interrupts me in the middle of a thought process, and like, I just need a second. That second just cost me 10 minutes. Because mentally, you have to get into a place where you are focused in, where you're in the middle of what psychologically they call flow, where you're just ensconced in the process and really engaged. If, you don't, if you're not in that flow, then you are not going to be able to get a lot of things done. So you really have to block yourself off, turn off the TV, don't have distractions available to you, and just sit and concentrate. Ryan, okay, final question here. Uh, hey, Ben, not going to lie to you. It truly broke my heart when I learned you are a Celtics fan. I'm a Lakers fan, but please don't terminate my subscription. What has been your favorite moment in the Lakers-Celtics rivalry? Well, all of my favorite moments from Lakers-Celtics rivalry actually happened like in my deep, deep youth. So I would have to say that the, 1980, the 1984 finals were really satisfying as a Celtics fan. 
the Celtics won in seven. Uh, the 1986 finals were great for the Celtics, but the Lakers weren't there. They were defeated by the Houston Rockets on the way there. Um, uh, most of the great kind of Lakers-Celtics rivalry stuff happened really before I was sentient, right? When I, when I was very, very young, because by the time the, the Lakers and Celtics were both good again, like 2009, 2010, they didn't meet in the finals except when the Lakers won. So that was terrible and awful and horrible. That was the worst. So I hated that. So, that, <laughs> so there's that. Okay, uh, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. So things I like. Uh, there is a book called Coddling of the American Mind by Greg Lukianoff and Jonathan Haidt. Jonathan Haidt is going to come on the Sunday special at some point in the very near future. I believe, what, two weeks, a week and a half, uh, something like that. So Jonathan Haidt uh, is, is just one of my favorite social psychologists. He teaches at NYU. His book, The Righteous Mind, is terrific. I've recommended it on the show before. He has a book called The Happiness Hypothesis, also terrific. I've recommended it on the show before, I believe. The Coddling of the American Mind is his latest book with Greg Lukianoff. It's all about how good intentions and bad ideas are setting up a generation for failure. It's about microaggressions, identity politics, all the things I like to talk about, backed with all sorts of hard data. I I really like it a lot, particularly because it repeats a lot of the arguments that I've quoted height making on the show and in my speeches before. So if you really want a primer on what's happening on college campuses and why we are creating a generation of of weak-minded people, go check it out. The Coddling of the American Mind, How Good Intentions and Bad Ideas Are Setting Up a Generation for Failure by Greg Lukianoff and Jonathan Haidt. Okay. Things I hate. Today's thing I hate comes courtesy of the New York Times. So Nikki Haley uh, was on with Martha McCallum yesterday, and she summed up the fact that the New York Times had essentially slandered her by saying that she was responsible for buying these very, 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 very expensive curtains when it turns out she was not, in fact, responsible for buying those deeply expensive curtains. Uh, They were actually commissioned by the Obama administration in the hopes that they would be occupied by a Democrat. She tells her story last night on Fox News. So you talked to the New York Times and said, this isn't the case, and they printed it anyway? They printed it anyway, and it was down in the story, in like the seventh paragraph down at the bottom. And then they had to post a retraction, so that's twice. Yes, but we shouldn't, you know, all last weekend, every day, wherever I went, people were asking me about my curtains. The damage is done once the story's out. I appreciate the retraction, but that story follows you everywhere you go. But that is, that's the tough part about public life now. Yeah. And of course, Nikki Haley is exactly correct. Um, and it's, it's really the reason why good-minded, good-hearted people don't want to go into politics lately. Would you want to? They'll literally just make things up about you. And then, oops, sorry, my bad. It's, it's really dangerous. And we're not immune to it on the right side of the aisle either. It's just, it's such a tribal environment that you really have to work to get past your cognitive biases. Okay, other things that I hate. This is just awful. Wealthy LA, this is from The Atlantic. Wealthy LA schools vaccination rates are as low as South Sudan's. Hollywood parents not vaccinating. They say it makes instinctive sense. Now their kids have whooping cough because they're idiots. Because they're idiots. Vaccinations work. They're one of the great scientific developments in the history of humankind. All you have to do is look at the statistics. I've written about this extensively. Go to Daily Wire, search Shapiro vaccination rates. I talk about how when vaccination rates hit 100, disease rates in many cases hit zero. There's also such a thing as herd immunity. It matters whether you vaccinate your kid because if you do not vaccinate your kid, my kid could get sick, even if my kid has had a vaccine. For example, whooping cough, perfect example. My daughter had whooping cough. She was vaccinated. The reason she had whooping cough is because the whooping cough vaccine is only about 80% effective. Well, if 100% of the population has the vaccine and it's 80% effective, 
then it is much more likely that she is not going to come into contact with someone with whooping cough than if no one has the vaccine and she takes a vaccine that is 80% effective. This is just obvious math. But there are a bunch of people out there who say, well, you know, I don't feel like vaccinating because my kid's going to get autism. There is no scientific data suggests that. None. Okay, there's a really bad study for which a guy was basically disbarred in the UK. There's one horrible scientific study based on this. There's nothing else. Problems with vaccines. Are there occasional problems with vaccines like Guillain-Barre syndrome? Yes. Okay, that that has happened. That, that, That has been a thing in the past. Is it a minute number of people? Absolutely. And not only that, they have been consistently trying to make vaccines better to minimize the risk. If you're not vaccinating your kid, you're being a moron. Okay, really, I, this, this is my, I really believe this in a very strong way. I think it is absolutely foolish, and it has externalities because there are pregnant women who can't get vaccines, and if they get sick, it goes to the baby. There are, people, there are kids with leukemia who can't get a vaccine, and you not vaccinating your kid and making your kid a carrier for that disease can hurt the kid with leukemia. There are externalities to you not getting a vaccine. If it were just about you and your kid not getting a vaccine, first of all, I would say don't endanger your own kid because it's silly. But second, I, I might say, okay, at least it's an autonomy issue. Once it becomes an externality, once you become a carrier of a disease that affects my kid, now we're talking about something completely different. The Hollywood Reporter has a great investigation for which it sought the vaccination records of elementary schools all over L.A. County. They found vaccination rates in elite neighborhoods like Santa Monica and Beverly Hills have tanked, and the incidence of whooping cough there has skyrocketed. Shocker. Yes, vaccinations work. And it is amazing. The privilege that wealth affords you to be a moron is amazing. The reason that people in South Sudan don't have vaccines is because it's incredibly poor and no one has access to vaccine. The reason people in Beverly Hills don't have vaccines is because they're idiots who believe in essential oils. Really, who think that that herbal remedies are going to are going to fix their are going to fix their whooping cough? Yeah, go down and try and get some of that St. John's wort and see if it's going to fix your broken leg. Again, I'm not against organic herbal remedies for what they're good for, but let's not pretend that this stuff is a substitute for actual tested and verified medicine. Ridiculous, ridiculous. All right, we'll be back here on Monday with. Well, actually, we won't. Actually, I have another Jewish holiday. So I won't. Tough. Deal with it. I'll be back here on Wednesday with the latest at that point. Make sure that you tune in on Sunday to our Fox News special, right? We have the Ben Shapiro election special happening 8 p.m. on Sunday. Go check that out. Don't worry, folks. I'm not violating my own holiday. It's filmed before the actual holiday, right? Because it's only 5 p.m. on the on Sunday on the on the West Coast. Go check it out. I hope that you love it. I hope I do well. I mean, I hope that it doesn't suck. So you'll find out on Sunday soon enough. And then leave me a review. I won't be able to... The good news is I won't even know if I suck until after the holiday. Right? I'll check Tuesday night. By then, the world will have moved on. Brett Kavanaugh will have set himself on fire or something. Like that's, that's, that's where we'll be. But in any case, I'll be back here on Wednesday to recap all of it. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Senya Villarreal. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Alex Zingaro. Audio is mixed by Mike Caramina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2018. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free 
should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 